Hi, I'm Jim Scudder. Today on In Grace, we're in ancient Shechem. We're gonna show you Jacob's well and Joseph's tomb. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and today on our very special Friday or weekend edition of In Grace, we're taking you to ancient Israel. <laughs> this is the fourth part in our four-part series, Discover Hidden Israel 2. Uh, this was one of my favorite series to film. This is an adventure where we go to Israel and we're going to places that either I haven't been for a long time or I've never been to. Especially this one. We take my friend, archaeologist, Dr. Scott Stripling. He is a archaeologist, obviously. He's the director of the dig in Shiloh. He also dug at a place that we believe is ancient I or AI. Uh, he has so much experience digging in Jordan and Israel. He's a, a, a professor. He's a provost here at the Bible Seminary in Houston. And he gives us several days every year where we can go and film and he shows us really awesome places. Well, today is no exception. We're going to take you to ancient Shechem. Now you say, where in the world is ancient Shechem? Well, if you've uh, read your Bible, you'll recognize that this is a place that some of the Old Testament characters were there, even Jacob. Um, even after Jacob, someone was buried there that came from Jacob, and that's Joseph, the one that went to Egypt and really saved uh, his whole family and, and the, the Jewish race. And, and he said, don't leave my body here. When I die, bring my, my bones to Israel. And they buried him in Shechem. And we're going to visit today Joseph's tomb, which is a very volatile uh, and troubled place. But we got great access because uh, the country was basically shut down when we went to film there because of the pandemic. But we got some incredible opportunities to go into and, and actually go to the sarcophagus where they say Joseph was buried. And we also went to a place in that same town where Jesus was. He sat on the, the well of Jacob. So we know that Jacob would have been there, dug this well. Jesus went to this well. And while his disciples went off into a city, Sychar, or maybe it's the same Shechem, Nablus area today, modern Nablus, he ministers to this woman and he knows all about her and he offers her living water. And, and what an amazing place it is to go there. And I'm taking you there today to this ancient well and where we actually saw this beautiful water that's still coming up out of this well. And I'm reminded that Jesus is the living water. This is an exciting episode. I'm glad that you're along for the ride today. Right before we get into it, let me remind you that In Grace takes people to Israel. We do a trip or two a year. We've taken hundreds of people to Israel. Uh, the next two trips are full, but we, we have one coming up in February, another one in June. I think those are both full, uh, but you can go on a waiting list for both of those. But we have another one in a year and a half. So if you're interested in going to Israel in February of 2025, you can contact us in Grace 
jewishradio.com. Click on travel. Also, I'd like to send you Discover Hidden Israel to the entire series that you're hearing the fourth part of the episode today. And if you give a gift of any amount to Ingrace, I'm going to thank you by sending you this exciting full-length four-part video series by DVD or digital download. If your gift is $35 or more, I'm going to send you Discover Hidden Israel 1, 2, and 3. And for those of you that can give more, $100 or more, I'm going to send you eight adventure videos from Israel. Contact us today. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. As Scott and I are exploring incredible sights and fascinating stories relating to Israel and the Bible, we travel north out of Jerusalem for about two hours through Samaria, arriving at Nablus. This bustling city is the location of many things in the Bible, and we start at a venerated spot, Joseph's tomb. Because of the pandemic, when we arrived, the gate was locked and no one was around. But our driver, Riyadh, went looking for someone who would be able to give us permission to go inside and maybe even film. And while we waited, Scott and I talked about the significance of this place. We're standing here in the middle of Nablus, and we're at a very important, significant place. The place behind us is... Yeah, this is the tomb of Joseph. You remember the last five words of the book of Genesis in a coffin in Egypt talking about the bones of Joseph, and he made him promise, when you leave from here, you're gonna take my bones with you. And the place that he's buried is part of the territory of Manasseh? Right, so he has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and they both get massive tribal allotments, by the way. And so we're in Manasseh territory right now, Mount Gerizim on this side, Mount Ival on the other side. We're in the middle of an ancient Shechem, or modern Nablus, and this is the site of the tomb of Joseph. Joseph is included in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11. Yeah. And it's not for what you would think it would be for, you know? Because there's so many other things that he did in his life that you would think that he would be included. But it was because he said, don't leave my bones in Egypt. He was so convinced that God was going to fulfill the promise made to his great-great-grandfather. Right. Grandfather. And all the way to him and to his people, that, hey, I'm coming with you guys. And this is proof of that. It's really neat because those bones are so symbolic. The, the fact that they're carrying them out, that's a connection with their past. The future's lying ahead, they're dealing with the present, but that's their past. We're also in a place that has a lot of other significance, right? Because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all had connections to this part of the country. Right. And Shechem is also the place that Jacob's well is, and that's a place that Jesus came to. So you have multiple layers of history happening here in this location. So you mentioned uh, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, a very important place in the conquest because it was the third place that they came to. Right. After Jericho and I, they came to Mount Ebal. That's right. And Mount Gerizim actually, and they worshiped saying the, the blessings and the cursings right, across the mountainsides. That's right, and we're heading to that spot. Riyadh came through and we were given permission not only to go see Joseph's tomb, but have the rare opportunity to film inside by ourselves. You are standing where very few people get to stand. I mean, 
you're talking here about Abraham's grandson. And the role he plays in Egypt is so critical. And the fact that the book of Genesis ends with in a coffin in Egypt, and then it just sets it up for Exodus. They carry his bones all the way to Jericho, to Gilgal, to Ai. They come up here and then they take care of this interment. So they come to this spot. What a reverent, holy thing this must have been, you know, to have these, these bones of this patriarch. And they came here and they buried him on this plot of land that Jacob had, had purchased. Now, what we're looking at is a cenotaph. So this is a marble uh, sarcophagus that is, think of it as kind of a great marker. Now, underneath us, what there might be, I don't know. And I don't know that anyone in modern times knows because they would kill us if we tried to remove this to find out. So the, the tradition comes back to this, this spot. And within our lifetimes, there have been battles fought here at the Tomb of Joseph and shots fired. And, but I think for the audience, there's a real faith lesson in a sense to me of solemnity of holiness that our ancestors, it's not just that Joseph was their ancestor, he's my ancestor, he's your ancestor. And he's mentioned in Hebrews 11. And we will get to meet him. Yeah. One day. Well, he's part of a great cloud of witnesses right now, probably thrilled that we're having this conversation. And I also love it that what the Bible describes, we find in the world. We find yeah. at the place where the Bible said it would be. And this book was written so many years ago, but it's accurate, it's correct, and it's powerful in my life and in your life. And I think there's just evidence, so much evidence of the truth of the Word of God. Yeah, so true. And we think about Joseph in Egypt, pot with his role with Potiphar, with Pharaoh, his wife, Asenath, and his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So just such a critical transitional figure. Yeah, and I also think of Joseph as one that had it tough. You know, I mean, he went from That's being right. the favored son to almost being killed by his brothers, being sold by his brothers. Can you imagine what Israel or Jacob would have gone through thinking that he had died all those years? And then you're enslaved, and then you're accused falsely, and then you're imprisoned, mm -hmm. and then you're forgotten. I mean, just think of all those things and how quickly I would have just said, forget it, I'm done. But Joseph didn't. And he's one of the few in the Bible that we don't really read anything, uh, anything bad about. That's right. That's right. Now, he's arrogant in his youth. He's True. hubris. And, and when we read the Bible, there's a lot of ways we can read it, but one way is as literature. So we analyze characters. So is this character flat or round, static or dynamic? And Joseph is so impressive because he's a dynamic character. He grows through what he suffers. So when his brothers come and kneel before him and they realize we're dead men, you know, we betrayed our brother and now he's in charge. What does he do? He goes and he kisses them. He starts crying. He says, don't worry, I forgave you long ago. You know, what you guys meant for evil, God had a better plan and I forgave you, it's all over. So he shows the capacity to grow through what he suffered. And for that, we would call him a, a, a dynamic sort of character. Yeah. And that's, of course, what we want to be as we go through life is we don't want to be static. We don't want to stay the same. Yeah. And that's what God can do for us. After being inside Joseph's tomb, I felt a very close connection to an ancient person of faith. And at that moment, I recommitted to being more like Joseph, a man who was faithful in suffering and in success. May we all strive to be like Joseph.
Next, we went to a really old city where Joseph's ancestors had been, ancient Shechem. The name Shechem means shoulder in Hebrew, which seems right since it's a pass between two mountains. I begin to recall some of the things that happened here. The Lord appeared to Abram and gave him the promise of the land. Abram built an altar to God. And Abraham's grandson Jacob also built an altar at Shechem, calling it El Elohi Israel, or the mighty God of Israel. Sadly, it was here that a man named Shechem raped Jacob's daughter, Dinah. And two of Jacob's sons avenged their sister by slaughtering all the men in this city. And it was also here that the shouts of blessing and cursing would have echoed in Joshua's day. You had a city-state system in the Bronze Age, Jim. So when the Israelites arrived here, you've got the Shechem city-state, which was very powerful, the Megiddo city-state, the Jerusalem city-state, and the Hatzor city-state. So all the smaller sites are dependent upon the larger site. And the Shechem city-state would have gone all the way down to your dig in Shiloh? Yeah, I think Shiloh is probably the southernmost point of that because think about the central hill country ridge that runs from Shechem all the way down to Hebron. Uh So that's that highest point of Israel along the spine. Okay, and the reason that uh, this seems so familiar to you is because this is the same size walls of Shiloh. Right, 5.3 meters wide, and this is what we call cyclopean stone because only cyclops could move a stone of this size. Or so, Scott. <laughs> well, I, this is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to brag, yeah. you know, if somebody else does a time, it If you have to. <laughs> but uh, look how massive those are, Jim. And uh, it, of course, encircles the site. And in the middle, we've got a temple that's mentioned in the Bible, the Temple of Baal Barith, with a standing stone that was there And this is where the Israelites came with the Ark of the Covenant, the Levites in the middle, and they separated the peoples on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. So when we get there, we'll tell the story. So when you see a city this big, so fortified, what does it tell you? It was a prosperous time. Uh, Middle Bronze II, you've got all these big cities being built, and we know some of it has to do with climate. Uh, They've got increased rainfall. From the preceding period of 400 years, it had been very dry. Now it gets wet for 400 years. So you're telling me there's climate change in archaeology, you can see. Yeah, uh, climate change has been around forever. So the earth goes through cycles where it gets a little hotter, a little cooler, a little drier, a little wetter. And in those wetter times, in those, those cooler times, they're able to expand their civilizations. When it's drier and hotter, they s- return to semi-nomadic ways of life, usually. Basically to go find the water. Exactly, Yeah, because yeah, they're not getting it. And if you look how massive this wall is, Jim, Imagine on top of that, you've got a mud brick superstructure. So this is amazingly well-preserved. And we're entering into the gate here. Yeah, so this is the Northwest Gate, and these are the orthostats. So entering through the gate chambers, now this is not like from the time of Solomon where you've got six chamber gates. These are gonna be four chamber gates. This is called an orthostat that is in situ. So it's got little bitty gate chambers here and an elder or two might sit in here. So you've got to break through. There's doors out here, so the enemy with his battering ram has to break through the outer doors. And there's towers on both sides and you're pelting them from those towers. They've got to break through the outer door and then come to the inner door and now a third door. So they're losing momentum. Right. They're breaking through, but now their momentum has stopped. And you're of course pelting them while they're doing this. So it's very difficult. And now you're still not into the city. You're still in the gate chamber. So the towers are intended to keep people out that you don't want into your city. 
So there's an acronym that will be easy to remember, the function of city gates in antiquity, J-E-W-S. Justice, economics, worship, and security. So what's the faith lesson in that, Scott? All right, so the faith lesson is that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Gates don't move, Jim. These have been sitting here for 4,000 years. There's a conflict between the gates of hell and the church. That means that it's the church that has to initiate the conflict. We're not to be in a defensive posture. We're to be in an offensive posture. That means engaging in the arena of ideas, engaging in culture. And that's where the modern clashes in the city gates, metaphorically, are taking place. Too many, however, are sitting back as if they're the gates defensively. No, 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 it's the city of hell that's supposed to be on defensive and it's the onslaught of the truth of the gospel that's going to penetrate. Yeah, that's good. Scott. That's good stuff. It is. Do you want to explore the rich history and fascinating mysteries of the Holy Land? From the breathtaking landscapes to the hidden gems buried beneath the surface, Discover Hidden Israel 2 will transport you to places few have ever seen. With a gift of any amount to Ingrace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Discover Hidden Israel 1 and 3. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. If you want to take your exploration to the next level, with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive Ingrace's entire Israel bundle, featuring a collection of eight captivating video series filmed in Israel. To get your hands on these incredible offers, call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com, or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's 800-78-GRACE, or ingraceradio.com. Ever since Scott showed me Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing, where Joshua's altar was found, I had wanted to see the Mount of Blessing. So up we went to Mount Gerizim. I was surprised, though, to see people dressed in white in a village at the top. I was even more surprised to find out that they are modern-day Samaritans. Scott and I got out and talked near the ruins of the ancient Samaritan temple. Scott, you brought me up to Mount Gerizim. I've yeah. never been here before. Well, you hadn't been to Mount Ebal until I took you there either. Yeah, so. yes, yeah, so and now we've got both of them covered, and I, I really like the Mount of Blessing. I like it a lot. Um, God really desires to bless His people uh, from the very beginning. That's been His desire. It still is today. Uh, the, the truth is that there is a, a confirmation that comes together when we take what they did on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, that there are consequences for our actions. But as we stand here, we realize that God's heart and desire is to bless us. When we come short, we go to Manibal, and what do we find there? An altar. As we begin to drive back down to Nobilis for our final stop of the day, we found ourselves in the middle of something in the Samaritan village. Intrigued, we got out to find out what exactly was happening. So we're on top of Mount Gerizim, and we pulled over because we saw a bunch of people. Scott said they're Samaritans. And so there's something happening. I'm not still really sure what it is. One said wedding, that we're gonna invite people to the wedding. So maybe that's what it was. They're going around inviting people to a wedding. They're all dressed up, so maybe that's what it is. But it's just amazing to see people that are still practicing Samaritans. And it kind of really takes you back to Bible days. 
seeing our Samaritan friends going from door to door, inviting everyone to the wedding feast reminds us of what Jesus said about going into the highways and hedges and compelling them to come so that the wedding feast would be full. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. Just a slice of culture right here. <laughs> exactly. We just stumbled into it. Next thing you know, we're in a parade. <laughs> I don't have the proper attire either. How awesome it was to be in the middle of such an ancient tradition. And it set the mood for the main reason I wanted to come to Nobilis, to see Jacob's well and relive the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. I'm amazed at a bunch of stuff in the story of John 4. One though is that Jesus came and was, was weary, he was tired. And because you're thinking all powerful, almighty, omnipotent, but he, he was a man, right? you know? So he hungered, he thirsted, he was tired, and he sat down by a well. And Jim, there's a few places in the land of the Bible that we can say with 100% certainty, Jesus was here. I mean, we are literally standing where he stood, talking about water and living water and the same questions that we have today. I mean, human beings are very complex in one way, but very simple in another way. And we're the same as we were then. We have a spiritual need that can only be filled by, by Christ. We have a woman, which men typically didn't you know, converse with women. She was a Samaritan woman. Yeah. So there's this big uh, divide, maybe even call it racist. And then you have a Samaritan woman who was a sinner, a woman right. that had had five husbands, and the one she was living with at the time was not her husband. And yet Jesus shows compassion, love, and care, and stops and talks, and she receives him. And that's so amazing. So she meets the creator of the universe, and her life is changed, and she wants to tell everybody about it. And that's how I feel, and that's how you feel. Like, yeah. we've met the Creator, yeah. and we want to tell the world about it, too. We want you to know Him. Yeah. We want you to know the one that gives living water. Standing there at Jacob's well, so many emotions came over me. Thinking about how Jesus loved this Samaritan sinner woman, and how much He cares about all people. As we close in grace today, I have a new favorite place in Israel. I have a hundred favorite places, but this is my latest favorite place. This is the incredible well of Jacob, the story of Jesus in John 4, and the water. So water, without water, there isn't life. And so Jesus asks for water. And she says, why would you be asking me for water? And then he goes on to tell her that he knew things about her that he, he shouldn't have been able to know. He knew all about her, and that's, that's God. You know, even if you have sinned, and we all have, God is still a God of grace. And here Jesus is taking water from her and using it as an illustration. You know, he was weary, he was hungry, he was tired, but he gave his time to this soul, this one that he created, this one that he loved, and the water was now an illustration of himself. And if you one time drink of the living water, which is putting your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you will never thirst again. I'm guessing you're thirsty spiritually. I don't know you, but I know for sure that 
all of mankind seems to be yearning and searching and, and looking for a purpose and fulfillment, usually in the wrong places, and you find yourself getting hurt. But then Jesus comes along and you get answers from him and it makes sense and he's connecting with you because he is the creator. But the creator came to die for you. Trust him, not a church, not a religion, but trust in Jesus alone. And when you do that, the Bible says you're saved from your sins, saved from hell, and you're on your way to heaven. And now you can be in full fellowship and harmony with your creator, the one that loves you, the one that died for you. If you drink one time of this water, you will never thirst again. Do you want to explore the rich history and fascinating mysteries of the Holy Land? From the breathtaking landscapes to the hidden gems buried beneath the surface, Discover Hidden Israel 2 will transport you to places few have ever seen. With a gift of any amount to Ingrace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Discover Hidden Israel 1 and 3. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. If you want to take your exploration to the next level, with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive Ingrace's entire Israel bundle, featuring a collection of eight captivating video series filmed in Israel. To get your hands on these incredible offers, call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com, or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's 800-78-GRACE, or ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in next week as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.